Welcome to this week's episode of the Top Podcast. I'm your host, Rob. Join with me are Mike. Hey. And Lou. And Lou. 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 Oh, he's gone. Lou. They caught him. Oh, he's gone. Gone. Never mind. Hello. Found him. We found Lou. Yeah, you found me. (laughs) So each week we like to have an icebreaker question. You know how everyone has like their their primary. I guess what was your primary identity in high school? Like for me, I, I was the nerdy kid. And we'll, we'll start with that and I'll get to my next question. So for me, I was I was the unbothered, I don't care at all, pseudo hipster kid. I listened to indie music. I didn't think anything was cool except not thinking things was cool. Like I was like an emo kid without the dark colors, essentially. The the quote that I felt summed me up best was somebody said something and I that was probably pretty cool. I don't even remember what they said, but I just shrugged and they were like, you don't think that's awesome? And somebody else cuts in and answers for me and they go, you're talking to Mike Rice. He gave all of his in one go. And I was just like, yeah, that's me. What was your one go? I have no idea. (laughs) Um, But I think the point was they were like, he's out. He's got no more to give. How about you, Lou? For me, I was the whitest black kid in my school. If you look at uh, football pitchers of like when they all had to line up and we always had to take those awkward pitchers for football. Mm -hmm. You guys know what I'm talking about? I was the lightest kid in my school. I had a girlfriend all four years, so I was kind of known for having uh, a girlfriend. Uh, I cheated. I cheated so much. I was considered smart, but really, my girlfriend. Just to clarify, you meant like on yeah, your homework no, say. and such like that, right? Ah, uh, yes, in homework. Yes, I did not. Schoolwork. In schoolwork, I did not cheat. I had a girlfriend every year. Every year. I was known for cheating. <laughs> I had the same girlfriend all four years, right up until prom, and then that happened. But yeah, I just I was known for a boyfriend. I was known football. I was known for being kind. I think I was just uh, people just wanted to hang out with me, and uh, yeah, and I didn't do drugs, which was not very common in my high school. So well, Lou kind of just answered my next question. What was like your your secondary identity? So like Lou. You you named off like five, so I guess you already answered the question. But like, I thought yours would be football. But like, okay, you know football, but what else? Like, what other mm. skill were you known? What's for? your real? Th- oh, okay, but you. Uh, it, it could be your real, like how you felt like you should have been, but like you, you were perceived that way, or you know, just something like uh, another side hobby. I Not- played guitar and was in bands. Did, uh, did you did you try to rock that out in high school? Because if I was in high school, I would have you know. And I, I thought I was like, I would have tried to play that off. Like, yeah, I'm in a band. No biggie. Oh, no, I was such a. <laughs> sorry, you're gonna have to cut that. No, I was uh, I was all about letting people know that I, I played music. <laughs> Anytime I could work it into the conversation, it would come up. I, I hope there's a video of you playing solos at church. Cause oh my gosh, I <laughs> should not have been doing that. There was so good. There was it's like one it was at week, Northridge. Uh, what was his name? There was one week. Jeff Kylie's dad. I, I didn't even know. I don't know how he got my number, but he gets in touch with me. He's like, "Hey, can you play like tom? I don't remember if it was tomorrow or this week, but it was very short notice." And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'm in." And he was like, "Great." And then the very next day, he texts me. He goes, "Oh, by the way, bring your banjo because they were doing a cover of a Mumford and Sons song that week." And I didn't actually play banjo. I had borrowed somebody's banjo and I had just tuned it to play like the top four of a guitar. Not but, how normal banjo tuning goes. No, it was all, all kinds of whacked out, but it worked. I could, you know, play music. And so I think he only asked me to fill in because he was like, oh, Michael knows how to play banjo. Not so. And so they ended up just tossing me on electric guitar and they they would always do just like, hey, we're going to play these chords or whatever as like as people are coming in. And I got so lost in the solo that they all stopped. And I was just in the middle of a phrase. I was just like, like, <laughs> like I just trailed <laughs> off because I realized what had happened. And rather than try and ignore it, Jeff was like, Mike Rice, a guitar, everybody. <laughs> awesome. So for me, it'd probably it'd be civil war acting because that was such a, a big part of my life where uh, union side, because, you know, I'm a northern boy. I think I've clarified that in the podcast, but I know Lucian will ask or make a joke about it if I don't if I don't state it. So uh, I, I was a union boy and that was just uh, I think I started. Yeah. Freshman year. 
and then kind of went all the way through my community college and something I love doing. It'd basically be from like spring to fall. And yeah, I would always uh, try to work that in. Like my profile picture was always some Civil War picture because I thought I looked like BA and everything. So that was definitely like my my secondary identity or I wouldn't even say it's my true identity, but like that was part of a big part of my life back then. The South will rise again. Am I right, Rob? I've heard people say that Civil War enactments. And I'm like, you're stupid. I lost <laughs> IQ from you saying that. <laughs> so good. I, I think they're joking, to... but you know, you never know. You never know. I mean, Civil War was just fought over state rights. Am I right? Nothing else. Nothing else. Don't tre- don't tread on me. Um, wrong know, wrong war. Live. Oh, I didn't know it was a war. <laughs> that was uh, a phrase in the Re- in the Revolutionary War. With oh, the snake. very fun. You learn something new every day. That's what I'm here for. Uh, yeah, I gave, I gave like five of them. So should I? Do I get? Should I give another one? I mean, if you want, or just pick your. What would you say your most popular was out of those five, and your your second most? Hold on, hold on. Since you've already given five, may I? Sure, yeah, go for it. What was the one that you identified with that you didn't let other people know about? What was your secret mm. person? What, what was your secret identity? What, what are you hiding secret in the closet? Mm. <clears throat> okay, this is for real. And I joked about this already. I don't know if it made to the podcast, but I only cared about the opposite sex. I just That's really what I was doing most of the time. Any Any decision that I made in high school was trying to get me closer to making bad on un, 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 very sinful decisions. So this week's topic is top five favorite covers or remakes. And it's a very broad topic. You can go video games, you can go music, you can go movies, whatever it is. Feel free to comment underneath what your favorite remakes or covers are. And for my number five, I'm going to start with Take On Me Unplugged by AHA. Nice. And cool. I didn't even think about acoustic covers. This might change everything. Oh, yeah. I got to oh. throw in the wrench in there. So it is performed by the same people that have the meme song Take On Me, but it's a lot more slowed down acoustic. And it, it, it goes from an upbeat, like poppy song to kind of like a, a melancholy, emotional song. And the, the first time I heard it was Deadpool 2. I don't know if you guys. Lucian, you've, you went to the. We saw it together in theaters, right? For your bachelor party. It was that Deadpool, yep. right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. The beginning of the movie, they play the like the original version of Take On Me. But then by the end, there's like this emotional scene. And like, I didn't even realize re- my brain didn't register that that was the song that was playing in the background to like the chorus hidden. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. And now I prefer the unplugged acoustic version so much more than the regular Take On Me. I don't know. That beat goes hard, though. I'm not going to lie. It does. And uh, you, you Take can't On do, Me is a blast. You can't do the arm thing with the, you know, the acoustic ones for the for the memes. Oh, you can. It's just a very different <laughs> meme. <laughs> I have uh, I have a playlist called Acute Stick because me and Mackenzie's playlist that we would listen to all the time were they were titled Too Cute to Care or excuse me so cute it makes me sick and then the next one was Too Cute to Care and then I made an acoustic playlist and so we called it Acute Stick and the final song is Take on Me Acoustic so that's like it's not on my list I, I I'm not gonna take it I didn't even think about it but fantastic choice just a, a, I have a soft spot for acoustic like covers. They, they just hit different. Mm. Yeah, now I have like five more things on my list. <laughs> and you already had like 10, so I just increased your list by 50%. Mike, what's <laughs> your number five? I was going to go with the Sound of Silence cover, partly because I do genuinely like it and partly because I knew it would annoy Rob, but because I would love to have an acoustic remake in here. I'm going to go with a, a second Alex Mol- Molten song. Let me make sure I get his name right. Alex Melton is a YouTuber. And Spotify, I guess he's just an artist, but he's a cover artist. And for the most part, he does pop punk covers of non-pop punk songs. But he has a different series where he does country covers of pop punk songs. Oh, gosh, which I'm sorry. I'm doing this on the fly. I think I've heard of him. So you have like a a Blink, a Blink song and everything. He does a lot of Blink songs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's called Sugar, We're Going Down Yonder. Going down, down in it is an acoustic slash country cover of Sugar We're Going Down Swinging by mm. Fall Out Boy. It is one of the funniest things I've ever heard, but also genuinely kind of a good song. 
or I'll give you a two for one. He also does one for Electric Feel by MGMT that is low-key, just the perfect close to like a kind of hype playlist where like you want it to just like end the the playlist and like all of a sudden everything's very calm and just like it'll make you feel like you're at the bonfire at the beach and just like at total peace with the world no matter where you are so it's both a, of them fantastic they're both country remakes they're remakes? both country remakes but the the electric feel one is chill enough that it you you could get a, you could not notice it was country. I, I'm just trying to think how that song would sound in country, and I have no idea. Yeah, Maybe. it's a lot of slide guitar and just like chill acoustic. It's awesome. Both what's the guy? What's the guy called again? Alex Melton. Like I, I don't have a ton of respect for cover artists, which is honestly something I should look at in myself. I've just, but I've just been like, yeah, write your own stuff. But this guy, I love almost every single cover he puts out. He's made me like songs that I didn't like before by doing covers of them in styles I would never have imagined. He has a pop punk cover of um, Never Gonna Give You Up that is unironically fantastic. The Blink-182 style? Yep. Yeah, I'm just looking up. I like his uh, I Write Sins, Not Tractors. I Write Sins, Not Tractors? Yeah. <laughs> These names are on point. Yeah, he's got a he's got an entire album called Southern Charm that is pop punk covers of country songs. So like uh, I got friends in low places and beer never broke my heart and wagon wheel all is like blink 182 covers. Um, and then he does country covers of he does more of country covers of pop punk songs. And so it like fades from one to the other. Fantastic. Let me tell you, going to an NBA game and hearing I have friends in low places, one of the weirdest things ever. But that's Oklahoma City for you. <laughs> I was like, how? when did you hear that in Detroit? Yeah, you know, like, you, you don't hear that bumping in the 313? It's like, I don't, hey, no way they play something like that. <laughs> oh, Lou, what's your number five? So all of my list, none of it is very funny. And so I'm going to throw just one out there, super random. Miss Jackson by... Uh, Maddie B raps. My baby's trauma, mama don't like me. She doing things like having a boy come to the studio trying to fight me. She so I always thought it was a kids' bop song, but you, it is not. Outcast? We're talking about the, the Outcast song? We're, we're talking about Outcast, yes. But it I'm is. I'm sorry, by, you said that wasn't funny? No, this one is funny. This is the funny one. Oh, okay. <laughs> this is, I was like, dude, this is hilarious. Oh, I don't know what you're you talking about. This is the funny one. Sorry, I don't know if I didn't word that right but yes so none of them none of my list is funny this is the only funny one i got i love this thing so if you don't know so i don't think a lot of people know what miss jackson was actually about so andre 3000 had a kid with erica badu which is another artist and he had the kid out of wedlock and he felt like he was being portrayed as a bad father and so he literally made the one of the most catchiest songs to play to erica badu's mother that's that's one way to do it and so I think it's absolutely hilarious that this very thoughtful song is being covered by this. I, he can't be older than 12 child, just like this classic Bieber looking kid. It's good stuff. He and he raps too. He raps on the track. And I think that 10 times out of nine. And if I'm lying, fine. Yeah, he does it all. Dang. man. And he worked and he and he it's not a joke to him. He's really putting in the effort. And I, I got to respect the hustle. So, yeah, if you're going to uh, cover it, you might as well go like all in. <laughs> He went all in, man. And I, yeah, I just, I thought, and I always thought it was a kid's bot, but it's not. It's his own thing. So. Wait, so you, yeah, you meant, dope. you thought the, the, the kid singing was on kid's bot, but it's his own thing. That's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I, thought, I thought you meant like you thought the uh, song was originally on oh. a kid's bop. I'm like, whoa. No, no, no. I don't think Andre 3000 remade a kid's bop song. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be wild that no one would expect it? Nobody Cover would. Kids That's bop. true. <laughs> cover kids bop which is a cover song like just cover songs you gotta respect it though kids bop's been going hard since i've been a kid it's true i don't even what are i they remember on there was a rumor when i was in middle school that once kids bop hit kids bop 10 they'd stop i was so excited for kids bop 10 and i have never raged harder when i saw the than when i saw the commercial for kids bop 11 <laughs> did you guys ever have uh those uh, CDs that had the like the playlist CDs. It's like the now wow, or yeah, the wow. wow, yeah, yeah. I I had one of them, boy, and I bumped it hard. Yeah, there there's wow. Then there's like now that's 
insert genre. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I had the wow. Yeah. Old school. Yeah, I think wow. I know there's definitely some like Christian artist ones that my mom had on repeat. Yeah. I see it. Wow. Worship. Yep. Nice. There's been 75. John Mark McMillan. There are 74 Kids Bop albums, according to our intern. What a hustle. What a hustle. You can't can't hate the hustle, man. You don't even. I feel like you're not paying those kids top dollar. Like, that's such a cash grab. (laughs) Take my money, Mr. Barry Gordy. My number four is something that I just found out about recently, and it's the Legend of Zelda Ship of Harkonnen, which is, which I know no one's ever heard of that. It's basically, uh, they took the original Ocarina of Time for the N64, reverse engineered it for the PC, and now you can like play it with like 60 frames per second, and it's like up to modern specs. And it it still has like the N64 graphics, but you can also, it has uh, mod capabilities, so you can like have graphic packs and all that. And it's just the original game was at 20 frames per second, which doesn't it sounds like a good amount. But if you play video games, that is so slow. And I didn't realize that as a kid. And then the the Legends of Ocarina of Time 3D remake was locked at 30 frames per second. So the fact that this can get up to 60 frames per second, it's one of the smoothest experiences of the game you can have. And it has like a free room camera ability. It has an option so you can use the the D-pad on the N64 because I have an N64 controller I can plug into my computer. So you can put items on that. So you basically have like eight different item buttons. It has a built-in randomizer, which I I have never felt confident enough to play it. But that basically randomizer is you open up a door and it takes you to some random place in the world. It has built in that. It also has like a game mode where it basically like degrades the graphics look like it's on a CRTV. And it's just so cool and so much fun. And I, I am just enjoying playing through Ocarina of Time again with this. I, I guess it would be awesome. a remake, but yeah. That was pretty cool. And you said you found it like just finding remakes and stuff or did yeah you I, know I i just like saw on reddit i'm like what the heck is a ship of harkonian or whatever and, and then i started researching and i saw it i'm like man this is so cool because that's that's easily top three legend of zelda games potentially top two so i i'm just loving going back and playing it it's like a slice of childhood and it runs as smooth as like i remember it running in the back in the in the past Mike, what do you got for us for number four? My number four is Pokemon Fire Red and Leaf Green. I thought about doing that one. That's funny. Yeah, I was very torn between Fire Red, Leaf Green and Heart Gold, Soul Silver uh, because both of them are fantastic remakes. And I would go so far as to say Soul Silver is the better remake, like or it's the better game. But I I think that Gen 2 was already so much better than Gen 1 that like it's like okay cool you you gave a plus 5 to the experience of Gen 2 it, it was starting at a better place so it's like I just think there was so much more room for improvement I'm not putting this very well I get what you're saying like yeah, yeah it, like, it already there, started ahead the, so the adding on to the extra is- yeah the difference in quality between the Gen 1 to Gen 3 remake was higher than the difference in quality between the Gen 2 to Gen 4. So even if it comes out as the better game, it's I don't think it's the better remake because it's not as much better as its source material. Whereas I think Leaf Green is possibly my favorite. It's one of my all-time favorite ways to play Pokemon. I love it. Um, so much fun. It, it hits that perfect double hit of nostalgia where I love the Game Boy Advance graphics and the sound. But I love Gen 1. That's where my heart is. And so it's just, it's a great meeting of, uh, I don't want to say the minds, but it's its a meeting of all my passions. Mm-hmm. And you're a Charizard right. fan, right? Yeah, there? yeah, ultimately. Um, I, I do really like Squirtle as well, but Charizard is the one I picked most often in Gen 2. Or excuse me, in Gen 3. Gen 1? To going, to going back to the meeting of the minds, are you saying your minds? You Like multiple minds? Uh, no, no, no. Meeting of the Minds was not what I wanted to say. Okay. It's, a me- it's a meeting of the passions. It's a meeting ah. of my favorite things. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I was on the same page. Yeah, I try to play a Pokemon game once a year, and I tend to just always go back to Fire Red. It's a classic, man. It is a classic. It's a classic for a reason. Yeah, it's definitely, like, I, I feel like the best way to play Gen 1. Oh, no question. Yeah, I, for sure. I haven't I haven't played any of the Let's Go Pikachu EVs, but I, I you don't need to. The to gimmick know seems like it would wear three. off. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Now uh, the uh, there are some ROM hacks of Gen Three that make it even better, but in terms of just actual legally obtainable hardware, 
Although I don't think ROM hacks are illegal if you have the, the ROM legally. So I don't know. doesn't matter. Point is, great game. I almost put uh, the Gen 2 remakes on my list, but, but since we talked about it for the Pokemon thing, I, I decided not to. That was the other reason I left it off, is I was like, Leaf Green, technically new content on the podcast. Lou, which was, uh, what started it you choose the most in Gen 1? Uh, I was a, I mean, I think I've already expressed this multiple times, but I'm I'm Team Squirtle, gang gang. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You yeah, like the, the, the original gangbanger, yeah. The original gangbanger, man. I don't play around. And I kind of just like kind of just followed that vibe pretty much through the whole time. As I got older, I tried to switch it up, but ultimately I'm I'm gang gang all the way through. Which Pokemon game are you playing this year? Uh, I'm playing Leaf Green or Fire Red. I can't remember which one. It's good. I and I I cheat. I'm such a cheater in games, but I'm like I have wall. I can like walk through walls. <laughs> I, I don't care. I played it so much that I know what I'm doing. I don't got time for that. I don't got time for that. I also am not. I d- didn't know how serious Pokemon gaming was. I just thought, you know, they were just like pocket monsters, my little pets. I always treated it as like, I didn't really care about stats. I didn't even know about um, special abilities. Or like, what's the, what do you call that? When you have constant ability? Just the ability, yeah. Is it, I didn't even know that was a thing most of my time playing Pokemon until recently or farming or just like if i put two pokemon together to to make an egg i thought that they would generally be interested in each other i'm not trying to like farm my my babies yeah oh yeah it's crazy competitive pokemon i for the longest time i didn't people talk about like ivs and evs on pokemon i'm just like i don't know what that is yeah yeah that was crazy all right so i think on the topic of video games uh i had a really hard time because i wanted to pick one video game but a lot of remasters just generally suck. It's true. It's just kind of just, I don't know, it kind of just is what it is. My One of my favorite YouTubers is called uh, Video Game Donkey. He has an amazing video about remasters. But they all just kind of seem like a cash grab, grab to me. So, I don't know, what do you guys think? For the most part, I think it probably is. Like, Nintendo 100% is a cash grab and oh, all yeah. that. But they also don't have other ways to, like... They used to know that that was the only way to get their stuff legally. And now they just, like say screw it but yeah right. i'm for it if it's like there's no other way to play it but yeah most of them are just kind of like oh we just up the resolution and that's it yeah yeah um, i think it depends because uh, the zelda one that came out recently a link to link's awakening i was a huge link's awakening fan i loved the original and i thought it was a great remake that deserved to happen on switch so there's some that i think are valid where it's like okay this really modernizes and updates it or if, if it's like a playability thing like the metroid prime remake i don't like metroid prime we've just made andrew really happy by mentioning donkey and really angry by mentioning that i don't like metroid prime <laughs> but i will say this if i gotta play metroid prime i want to play the switch remake where it has dual analog controls as opposed to whatever crazy crap they were doing in the early gamecube days i think there's good reasons but i think a lot of them are also cash grabs and in all your list, did you play the old school one and the the remake? If it's like a video game, did you play both? Yeah, for my, uh, my yeah, I felt okay. like I had I'd nothing on here that I if I oh, did. Yeah. Okay, both of you guys kind of talked at the same time. <laughs> we we were both saying yes. Oh, yeah. okay. But yeah, we, we we did. Talk. I couldn't even understand what I was saying, but we were both trying to say yes. <laughs> Very cool. All right, so I would have put Mass Effect Legendary Edition because I think it's a better remake than the one that I have. But I played the old one and I played the new ones. So of of my my pick, and so I'm going to pick Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Uh, the the new one came out in 2020. What um, and two. One and one and two. Yeah. Honorable mention. Absolutely. Nice. Great choice. Nice. Yeah. So I think I've so I've expressed this that I've loved Tony Hawk in the past. Uh, but I was an underground kid. I always loved the undergrounds more than I liked mm-hmm. the, just the pro skaters. But I kind of just get what you get. Um, I didn't know how bad the graphics were. I don't know if you guys think the same way, but if well, I it's, it's it's hard to go back. It's yeah. super hard to go back. Um in my head, I was thinking like it at least looks like a PlayStation 3 game. But I went back and I looked at it and I was like, oh no, this is like just a bunch <laughs> of shapes riding yeah. on a rail. Bunch like of it's polygons. Cr- yeah. Just a po- bunch uh, of polygons. We can bust it out when you come over Thursday. Uh, I have it on GameCube. So you think it looks bad on PS2? Cut the size of that disc in half and see what happens. (laughs) Did you guys, when you guys got your first GameCube game, did you expect to see that little disc? I I think so because... GameCubes before I had it. So yeah. Oh, okay. 
you guys you guys are on the same page like hardcore right now. i didn't get like my first new console until i think the 360 was my first one i got brand new but wow. like all the ones past i was doing the whole gamestop thing which screwed me out of a lot of money but as a kid it seemed like a good viable option right yeah so i mean i feel like i've already talked about tony hawk before but i just recently went back to it and it's it's just uh it's just a really good shut your brain off and and it has like dual it has dual things if you really want to try hard and you want to like get as much points as possible you can definitely put in the effort but i think Mm -hmm. when i enjoy it the most is when i'm just literally just skating around and i'm just hitting a couple flips and seeing where i can go and getting in a bowl and just i don't know just like nose diving all the time and seeing how (laughs) bad i could hurt myself it's just you know it's just one of my favorite things or I can't remember what the first map or the first skate park is called. I feel like I'm not a Tony Hawk fan if I don't know. Is it the hangar? Or not the hangar. It's the warehouse, right? Yeah, it's the, wa- the warehouse. It's the warehouse. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the warehouse. Where so, you go down the big drop in first. Yeah, yeah. You get to go in the, and then you get there's like a a room that's above the half mm-hmm. pipe. And yep. I just I just love hitting the rail into the half pipe or into the half pipe or over the and you shatter the, the glass right to get into the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just it just feels good. I don't know. I'm excited. I've read that they're coming out with three and four. So hopefully after oh, that nice. they'll start doing underground. Unless there's like, I hope there's no like issues. Yeah. With like did uh, with anything like that. Did you ever play American Wasteland? I don't think so. It think- came out after after Underground Two. Um, that was I think like the 360 era. Of, yeah, it, I had it on PS2, but you could also get it on 360. Ah. But it had a a, a play style because I played the mess out of out of Wasteland. Um, I played I played them all obsessively. Um, Underground on, um, but there were, I found this mode called Classic Mode, and I was like, "What the heck is Classic Mode?" And I didn't like it at first. So I was like, "Ah, I only get two minutes, and it's giving me all these tasks." <laughs> but I learned to love it because how could you not? But what was great about it was you get to play through all the classic one and two stages. Oh, very cool. But with the underground through American Wasteland control set. So like you could get off the board. And so like there were it was re- like it it was a different challenge sometimes to go get the uh, the tape because you could do it in new and interesting ways where you could climb and do the whole parkour system. Right. Yeah. Cool. Very I think we talked talk about this before, but that was a game changer for me. I think I've already said this before, though, but. I love getting off the board. I thought that was the coolest thing. But yeah, I never played American Wasteland. I don't know Wasteland. I don't know what I was doing, why I didn't buy it. But I feel like what I've heard, I haven't played a lot of the Tony Hawk games, but I think that was considered like the last good Tony Hawk game, if I remember correctly. I remember they tried uh, to uh, sell American Wasteland or yeah. wasn't it American Wasteland? It, uh, I really liked it. I've heard a lot of people. I feel like I've heard the opinion that it's just kind of like a we're out of ideas rehash of underground but i thought it had a fun story la is a cool skate setting i didn't know enough about how video games work to realize that the long areas like the long areas where all you could do was grind between zones was just a a loading screen Mm -hmm. so i just thought it was really cool that i had no load like it worked on me i was like wow this game doesn't even have loading screen no no it it did yeah like it was just it was a fun cheesy skateboard story and i was there for it just think a side note God of War, the PlayStation 4 version, had the best like loading screens, personally. I love the, I don't know, when you're like picking up a tree and getting your son under. Oh, you guys ever played God of War? Uh, I have not. I've, it's been on my Steam list to get for a while. I like interactive loading screens. Yeah. I think I, you should have more, have more of that. I don't want to answer because I don't want to make Andrew angry for a second time in one podcast. Have you not played it or you didn't <laughs> like you? it? I played a little bit. No, and you just I didn't went, like it. So I didn't like it because I had been playing Elden Ring and then I switched over to God of War um, and I was like, hey, this is slow and boring and not challenging compared to Elden Ring, which I think it's all fair. And so I think if I hadn't been playing Elden Ring, if I wasn't coming from a hyper challenge, um, I probably could have found a lot more fun in it. But that's not where I was coming from. So did you play any of the old God of Wars? I played a little bit of one and I think I bought one, two and three late in their Late in the PS2's run. Like, I think the Xbox was well into it. Uh, the 360 was well into its run by the time I picked up the God of Wars. Right. And I was basically just going through and being like, I'm going to get all these classic games for cheap at GameStop. And I played a little bit of one. And then I switched to another one and played until I saw boobs. And I was like, you know, these pixelated boobs are not worth the effort. And that was the last I played of God of War until I tried the 2018 one. <laughs>
My number three is a song that most people don't know is a cover, and that is All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Nice. I saw that. Yeah. I learned that recently. Originally a Bob Dylan song, it's cover. And my thoughts on Bob Dylan, he's good for a song, maybe a song and a half. But after that, I just can't stand his nasally voice. It's not for me. Uh, it's kind of, I, I, I probably feel like it, like how Michael feels about the Beatles, where I can respect what he did for like songwriting and the music genre. But I I can't listen to more than one of his songs. And I, I feel like all his cover, the people who cover his songs are better than him. The All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix came out the same year. Had Dylan's permission, and I think even Dylan said like Jimi Hendrix's version is better. And it's just it's so good. Electric guitar and there's like iconic for Hendrix. Go listen to it if you haven't. Agreed across the board. Did uh, everybody on here always ha- had their Jimi Hendrix face? It's not a face, Lou. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I just was constantly listening to Jimi Hendrix, or just like discovering Jimi Hendrix was like such an important part for me. I don't know if I've had a phase, but like I've always. Just kind of had them on in playlists and definitely had, like li- have listened to them more the past few years. But like, I don't know. I just never had like a, a one Jimi Hendrix like listen to all the time type thing. All right, Mike, what's your number three? My number three, speak of the Beatles, is Mother Nature's Son by John Denver. I did not know this was a John Denver song, or excuse me, I did not know this was a Beatles song until I decided I wanted to learn how to play it on guitar. And then was like, why am I keep getting all these Paul McCartney? Oh, that's why Google's trying to give me Paul McCartney because this is a Beatles song. And the Beatles version is fine. But have you ever heard a song you like? And then you hear some semi-talented high schooler do an acoustic cover on YouTube. And it's like, oh, yes, you can sing the words, but it's not as full. And you've lost the, the richness of the music because you're just a kid playing chords. I think Mother Nature's Son, John Denver's version, is the exact same thing in reverse. Where you listen to John Denver's and it's just so full of sound and harmony and i i love every second of it it's a beautiful rich sonic experience and the beatles version kind of feels like a youtube cover by a high schooler by comparison and it's like i get it you wrote the song the cover wouldn't exist without you but i think john denver just elevated the living crap out of that song i i haven't heard that cover but i definitely like my number one is that like that same concept all my right, number one right. is also that same concept as well. So Ooh, that's maybe exciting. we have maybe we have similar number ones. Ooh, sound of silence. Nope, not sound nope. of silence. <laughs> no, I would hurt if that was my number one. I would. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do if you came out and you said that. I'd be. I, I, I'd be you? like, I'm sorry, you're not Rob. Yeah, <laughs> I know two things. My name is Michael, and Rob hates the sound of silence cover. I'm totally not being held hostage by disturbed. It's all fine. We're good here. Do you listen to a lot of John Denver? I really, really like Rocky Mountain High. I believe that's the album name as well as the song name. The The album that Rocky Mountain High is on, I think, is one of the great albums of all time, honestly. And then I enjoy some of his other songs, but I don't know what it is about Rocky Mountain High. That album just speaks to my soul. The rest of his stuff, no complaints, but it, I don't know why it doesn't doesn't touch me the same way, but still good. I really only listened to Rocky Mountain High, like the song itself. So I, I never really got into John Denver. So I, I was just curious. I can't speak highly enough about the album. I think my favorite song on there is a song called Prisoners. It starts off as a song about a young lady whose husband is away in the war and she misses him. And then it flips and like the bridge is from the perspective of a POW and so then when you ju- it, when it jumps back to the chorus, it's a long uh, it's like it's a long time sleeping when you're lonely or it's a long time something when you're lonely. It's a long night sleeping alone. Like it's it, when it goes from like, man, I really miss my husband to man. I really miss my family. It's just it's like heart wrenching. But the song's upbeat and like it's got this just jamming folk bo- vibe to it. And it, you, you, you just don't know what to feel. You, you get all mixed up and it's it's a beautiful song. And it also, relative to folk, kind of rocks. How about you, Lou? What do you got at number three? So my number three is Metallica Whiskey in the Jar. I was going nowhere. 
It's the only song of Metallica that I generally like, and for a long time I thought it was one of their songs. It wasn't until super late that I found out that it was actually by the Dublers and then Lizzie, the same people who did the the Jailbreak song. So I don't know. It's just like a it's just like a nice soulful song. I really enjoy it. I can't remember the the lead singer of Metallica. Do you guys know offhand? I was never big into Metallica either. Okay, cool. I'm happy that we're all in the same. James, James, James yeah, Hetfield. Hetfield, Hetfield. Yeah, I think his voice just fits perfectly in the song. It's nice and soulful. But a guy who robbed somebody and then his girlfriend pretty much like just dumped them. And in high school, I felt that. That was deep. That's fair. I uh, I was cheating. close. Cheating on work. <laughs> I was a, I, I cheated in school. The yes. uh, the name that came to mind when you asked about the lead singer of Metallica was Henry James, and I knew that wasn't right, but I couldn't put my finger on who he was. He's the English gentleman, I believe, who wrote "Turn of the Screw." I have no idea what that is. Yeah, uh, later like- adapted to "The Haunting at Blair Manor," the sequel to "The Haunting of Hill House" on Netflix. Nice. It's like a really, really classic old school horror story. The point is. Not even close to the lead singer of Metallica, but <laughs> no, H and a J. This guy has a picture of with a kid, and he is styling. This kid looks like he's seen some things, though. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sure he has. <laughs> I feel the same way about Metallica as I do about Bob Dylan. I listen to about a song and a half, and that's that's it. There's their all their songs sound so similar to me. Like it's the same yeah type of rift, and you know, yeah. same drum beat. Yeah, I mean, everybody. I can listen to a uh, not Sands of Time. That's a that's en- a, Enter Sandman. That's Enter Sandman. Yeah, I can listen to Enter Sandman once or twice, but after that, it's like, oh, this is getting rough. But yeah, Whiskey in a Jar is solid. I I love it. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good listen. Yeah, I think I like this song so much because I dislike the band. I think it's. I think there's something funny when like you can't stand the band, but there's just one song that I think is just like mm-hmm. awesome. I have a handful of artists where I'm like, I really don't like this person, but this one song. Daddy Marth, top of your head. I'm I'm curious. I can I can struggle, but That's it's not fair. good for not good for no. podcasting. Who's the band who wrote Geronimo? That's Do you remember a, that a few years back? Geronimo, that one. It, yeah, it, I feel like it's song. either like is it Bastille? Yeah, um, I, like, no, it's not Bastille. I I liked Bastille for a hot minute. Other one. Um, but the they had a song one. called "The Best Is Yet to Come" that I really really liked, but I couldn't stand Geronimo or anything else on the album. Uh, it's not the same now, but for a long time, I didn't like the the sound of My Chemical Romance's lead singer's voice. So I only liked the mm-hmm. Black Parade. But now that maybe it's like more nostalgia or I've realized that he actually does have a decent voice and doesn't grate on me. That like I like listening to Black Parade as a, a full album and everything. Yeah, I loved their first their first like single. I was absolutely in love with. I can't remember the name. Helena or I'm, yeah, I'm OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm OK. Absolutely loved that as a child. And the music video was like them in school. And yeah, I was all yeah. all for it. Tame Impala, new person, same old mistakes. That's the only song mm. I like from them. I really don't like Disturbed. But you like. <laughs> but I don't mind the sound of silence. <laughs> oh, wow. Breaking Benjamin, I Will Not Bow. Only song I like from them. I also like the song they made for Halo. Oh, they made a song from Halo? For Halo. Yeah, I was like. I don't know if they made it for Halo or they just Halo got the rights for it, but they only play it like a little hallway thing. But it's it's a dope song. Have you guys ever heard? Uh, I want to say it's called "This War Is Ours." I've heard of a game it called was, "This War of Mine," but not. No, I think, uh, I think you're talking it about was. Song. Yeah, it was. It was like a screamo song. I don't know what the technical genre it fell into, but it opened with the Halo like oh, and then they just like they went into a song about Halo apparently, and it it was pretty badass back in the uh, back in high school. I, I recognize it's Escape the Fate. I recognize the name. I don't. I oh, that was Escape so. the Fate? Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. So my number two is another remake, and it's for the the cult-selling classic blockbuster console called the Wii U. And it is the Wind Waker HD. Oh, nice. And did you, did you guys play the original Wind Waker? I'm not a Zelda uh, fan. Not gonna lie. Never beat it, but I own it still. What were like the most annoying parts about that game, if you remember? I did not get to the Triforce quest, okay. quest fetch, but I have watched extensive retrospectives. So mm-hmm. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so the, the biggest gripes I had with Wind Waker is the Triforce fetch quest. And along with that, just every single time. Oh, so the, the boat. Yeah, you're, you're in a boat. So the whole world is basically this ocean. And in the original one, 
you had to play a song to change the wind direction so you could sail fast every single time you got in the boat. But with the remake, not only did they add and like update the graphics and everything, but they shortened the Triforce, Qu- Triforce quest, which made it so much easier and quicker, which is like objectively the worst part of the game. And they gave you, what was it called? The Great Sail or something. So whenever you do it, it would automatically change the wind directions. And it was such a quality of life update. And with the gamepad, you could like just look at the inventory on that. And it was it like I can't think of a game that had just the little quality of life updates could make it such a different game and so much better that this is like the, the definitive way to play Wind Waker is on the Wii U. And I know a lot of people are hoping they port that to Switch. So we'll see. A lot of people are going to bring Wind Waker and the Twilight Princess HDs to the Switch. I'm not confident in Nintendo, but if they do, pick it up. It's the best way to play the Wind Waker, and I think it's probably the best remake ever made for it. Just with the and like graphically, it looks a lot better. There is they do go a little heavy on the bloom effects a little bit, so I can I think you can turn those off. But I think it's one of the best remakes ever made. I wish I had more to say, but I feel like you nailed it. And I haven't actually gotten very far in that game, but I loved what I played. Have you only ever played like, are you mostly a Breath of the Wild like style Zelda fan, Mike? Or do you like the classic? Oh, oh I can't stand Breath of the Wild. Okay. I mean, I, I've beaten it. it. It was fine. I think it's blasphemy to call it Zelda. I, I, I would enjoy Breath of the Wild a lot more if it were its own IP. Mm-hmm. Um, and they weren't utterly ruining the gameplay cycle that makes Zelda so much fun. Surprisingly for me, like the new Zelda is one of the things like like I I unintentionally gatekeep like just in general. Like I think it's just a natural thing to do. But like with the new Zelda, I'm like, you know, hey, they're not my cup of tea, but I'm glad other people are getting into the series. So I I, I agree with you that they should go back to the the old way. But I'm I'm glad to see people getting into Legend of Zelda because that's definitely one of my favorite uh, video game series of all time. Yeah, so I'm on the other end of you guys. I've never played any of the older Zelda. First Zelda I've ever played was... Uh, the one on the switch and it was just a great experience i had a really good time but i don't have any of those preconceived notions of i never have like thoughts of the past so mm-hmm. it didn't really bother me at all if you want a real zelda experience so go back and play zelda 2 low-key that's a game that should get a remake <laughs> i don't know i don't think a lot of people like it i don't know which is least like which is the the less of a zelda game zelda 2 or breath of the wild I mean, that's fair. Um, I just think I think it gets such a bad. I get it because like if I was super excited for the second Zelda game and I got that, I'd be livid. But if you can get past that and you're like, hey, let's try and enjoy this game for what it is. So much fun as a retro title. And so even if they freaking reskinned it, like if they did a remake, reskinned it and just called it something else, I think it would do very well. And I mean, like a remake, not like slap a fresh coat of paint on it. Like, really tweak it to make it a lot more user-friendly and less obtuse. Did they put it on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online? Do they have Zelda 2? Yeah. yeah so I'm almost positive. Lou, if you don't know, the original Zelda was like a top-down adventure game. Then the, they made Zelda 2 Link's Adventure, and it's a like a side-scroller platformer game. Nice. Yeah, I, I've i seen Zelda 1. I've seen a lot of gameplay. Not a lot of gameplay, but... Would you consider, like, Zelda to be... The beginning of Zelda to be, like, one of the best Nintendo games? Like, better than Mario? I'm not a big I like platforms so like fun every now and again, but I like puzzle games and like adventuring games more. So I personally think Zelda is Nintendo's best IP. Nice. I I would say Zelda one cannot hold a candle to Mario one. I'll take Super Mario Bros on NES over Legend of Zelda on any NES any day of the week. Throw out Mario two, throw out Mario or Zelda two. They're just not they're both the same thing where they just went in a totally different direction. Right. Um, I think a link to the past might be the best Zelda game ever made. And one of the best games on the system it was on. I, I, and I am a huge Super Nintendo fan. I would I would go Zelda long term. And I think once you hit three, I think three, it, it's hard because Zelda three, it's not called Zelda three, but the third Zelda mm-hmm. Is going up against Mario 3, which is one of the two games that people will hold up as the best Mario game, at least in 2D, ever made. That um, world, right? Uh, yeah, Super, and I'll, I'll take Super Mario World over Mario 3 any day, but I'm not going to be mad at you if you go the other way on that. But I, I love Zelda 3, A Link to the Past. 
or it's just a link to the past. They don't call it Zelda three, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. One of my favorite games of all time. What's well, it's crazy that something like I never thought of growing up, you know, my first system was the N64, but the original Legend of Zelda was the first console game with a save, with the capacity to save capability mm-hmm. to save. And that's just crazy that up until that point, it's like you had to have world codes or you're like world hopping. That's why they have the, the pipes in Mario. Yep. yep. And also, do you know that Super Mario 2 wasn't actually Super Mario 2 in Japan? It was a, a different game. And they just reskinned it as Mario. Doki Doki Panic. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's so weird. Yo, the fact that you knew you that. You act like wild. I haven't watched the gaming historian <laughs> before. <laughs> Makes like, please, slides up glasses. I don't have glasses, but I am playing with my collar as if I'm wearing a tie. <laughs> It's like glasses shine as he pushes it up. (laughs) That's awesome. What a good moment. If someone can do 2D animations, make that happen. Jacob, you're on it. Mike, what's your number two? My number two is the Alex Melton song that I actually planned on talking about. And that is his cover of Taylor Swift's Antihero. It's me. He did a really fun thing in his YouTube video where him and his producer sat down. I th- I'm pretty sure they had the words and they had the chords, but they listened to Antihero one time and then covered the song. And when I tell you I hear Antihero by Taylor Swift and I am ups- I'm like physically upset, it is not an exaggeration because this cover is one of those things that makes me just go, why are why is all music not pop punk? I, 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 I the song was made to be pop punk, even if it wasn't, even if Taylor Swift didn't know it yet. Yeah, I absolutely love this song. So good, such a perfect genre for the vibe of the song. Check it out. I'm not a Swifty. Which one's antihero? So okay, so that's the thing. Is there two like? I think it's kind of chill and like synthy. And so it's like, it's me. Hi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the problem is me. But like, it's an anthem when, when Melton does it and he goes hard and it's awesome. Also, he does all the vocals, all the guitar, all the bass, all the, he does every single instrument and he tears it up. Guy is insanely talented. And he kind of looks like a blend of me and Zach. Thank what a what a random thing to say after all. Yeah. Well, that was just the first thing I thought when I found the guy on YouTube. I was like, I clicked on him because I was like, whoa, if me and Zach had a baby and he was my age. And so I clicked on it and I, and I was like, oh, this guy's really talented. I think Taylor Swift surprisingly has really good pop punk songs. I also think of I Knew You Were Trouble When You Walked In by We Came As Romans. That's a solid cover. Yep. I like Blank Space by I Prevail. Shout out I Prevail, local uh, local Michigan band. Uh, yeah, she- out, there's a pop punk cover of Out of the Woods that's really good. Mel- Melton's a big Swifty. He actually, I'll check, see how many I can find, but he has a ton of Taylor Swift covers. For a while there, every pop goes punk record had uh, at least one Taylor Swift song in it. And it's usually yeah. like the one of the better covers. Lou, are you a Swifty? Yeah, I'm not a big Swifty. Okay, I, uh, Yeah, I'm not a big Swifty. I used to... Blare out the whole short skirt t-shirt song though i'm not gonna lie that was uh that was my jam back in the day all i know is since taylor swift to start dating travis kelsey his game's gone down so yeah <laughs> yeah now it could be that he's like 34 years old or yeah right or, is he over the hill guess. yet is he over the hill yet is he over the hill yet is he over the hill or is it swifty um, or is it swiftmeister right. swift delicious his Swift podcast nasty. is pretty funny. It, Dude, it's do. a great podcast. I love yeah, the shorts they put out. Him and then, like, especially when they have Edelman on. Oh, Edelman. I would never have guessed that a Patriot other than Gronk could have that much personality. I love his Bill Belichick like- impersonations. <laughs> yeah. His uh, Randy Moss impersonations are really funny, Oh, too. yeah. Edelman. Edelnut. <laughs> Lou, what's your number two? All right. So I've been struggling, but I think my number two is going to be it. Chapter one and two. My grandfather thinks this town is cursed, that all the bad things that happen in this town are because of one thing. Mostly chapter one. I didn't think of that. That's Uh, a good choice. My man. Yeah. So uh, I got some things to say when you're done. Okay, good. It's good to know. 
So yeah, so I uh, I did. I'm gonna be honest with you. I did not watch the the old school one. I watched a lot of like YouTube's of it, and so I feel like I'm generally understanding the the gist of it. And shout out to Tim Curry, what a great actor. Shout out to Home Alone too. It's such a great job. So yeah, so it. Me and my wife watched it in the in the theaters, and I've never been more scared in my entire life. Uh, no, that's that's aggressive. I've never been more scared in a movie theater before. I, will, right. I will say that that is good. Apart from the time that me and my dad were watching the Michael Jackson movie and somebody got into a fight. But that's the most time ever we got scared about the actual movie. Is that there you go? So you've been you've seen a theater fight, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't about an atomic bomb. I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happens when you go to Detroit movie theaters. Bring your brass knuckles. I saw Oppenheimer in Detroit and that's where the fight happened. So it checks out so far. Yeah, don't watch movies in Detroit, man. Be prepared to scrap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the best scene, and, and I think they know it, is uh, when Georgie got his arm completely just pulled off. I, mm-hmm. Or eaten. Just absolutely just... just yeah, I, can't you, even, you, I can't even put it into words. You work. can't do it and not nail that scene. You, right. Like, if you don't nail it, that scene, everyone walks. Yeah, yeah. Bill Skarsgård did just an amazing job. Uh, his, uh, I was watching a couple of interviews... And about it and one of my favorite is that bill skarsgård can do that i think that it does just yeah. on command that's absolutely nuts and then i love how uh they were doing i did watch quite a bit of interviews about this uh one of the i can't remember the kid's name but they asked the kids who they want to play as their adults and one of the kids uh was like i want bill Hader to play and Bill Hader has a, a f- super funny uh, interview about it. It's just how he was comparing the kid to like Jeffrey from Game of Thrones. Joffrey, my bad. I, I didn't really like Joffrey. So I, no one liked Joffrey. <laughs> yeah. Joffrey's my favorite character. Uh, so yeah, so Bill Bill did an amazing job. Uh, I was generally scared. Everybody else did a pretty good job too, but Bill absolutely took the scene. Bill did such a good job that when I watched Barbarian, I was expecting to Bill to be the main character of the movie. And then, uh, spoilers. <laughs> you guys ever watched Barbarian? I have not. No. No, oh, it's, it's really good though. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's it's not amazing, but uh, it is is pretty good. And it's filmed in Detroit, so fun fact for you. I never saw it part two, but I really enjoyed the first one. And that's gonna be some, someone that doesn't like horror movies. Right. Yeah, I was wondering what made you not want to watch the second one, just because. I just never got around to it, and then I heard like it was it was okay. I just never picked it up. Yeah. I, so, I, I heard the first one was the best, so I just left it at that. That's fair. Top novels spoiler ahead. If you don't, uh, yeah. Um, Are you going to talk about the sex scene? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, although I do think Stephen King has the best sex scene in all of literature, actually. He has a scene that gets the point across and then shuts up and moves on. And I, like, I read it and I was like, that was brilliant. They had sex. It was beautiful. We don't need any more detail. Like, I was very happy with it. Um, but that's a different book entirely. Rob, uh, you, know what, you know what sex scene we're talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know. Oh, OK. Scene. OK. I just <laughs> wouldn't make that sound talking about that sex scene. But <laughs> oh, you, oh you, I know. You, you Playboy. You do you. Sorry, I might continue. Listen, if uh, if ever there is reason to interrupt me, that's it twice. <laughs> like, no. Uh, as long as it's between friends, you know, it doesn't matter, right? Right. <laughs> if everyone's below the age of consent, is it okay? <laughs> Point being, it is one of my favorite novels of all time. So I was really excited for it, chapter one, and I was so disappointed. Oh, sad day. Oh, like, and it was very much the heartbreak of this isn't the book and I can't let go of how this didn't, how this didn't represent the book the way I wanted it to, you know, lots of scenes where I was like, yeah, they had the right things happen, but the, the character motivation wasn't there for me. And like all the little things that made me love the book just felt like they got dropped. And so when I went and I watched two I went in with no expectations because I'd heard it was worse. And I have almost never enjoyed a horror movie in the theater as much as I enjoyed it. Chapter two, because it was so far off the book at that point that I was able to be like, hey, man, this is practically a whole new movie. (laughs) And like it didn't it was so inaccurate that I stopped caring that it was inaccurate and I had a blast. That's cool. Expectation is everything, man. It really is. And the, the, the thing, too, is as a hardcore Stephen King fan. 
I could probably enjoy it now because you just have to understand that all Stephen King adaptations are a their own story. They're not a remake of the book. They're they're the story happening on a different level of the Dark Tower, which if you've never read the Dark Tower series, I understand makes absolutely no sense. But essentially, it's the same thing happening on another trip through time. And so any kind of deviation from the source material is okay because it's not actually the source material being remade. It's the story happening again in a new in a new run of the timeline. Unless it's so, The Shining, but, then Stephen King actually hates it. Yeah, well, The Shining sucks. So it's, oh wow, that's aggressive for real. I comparable if you read movie. the book or just the movie itself. The same. I didn't. I did not like the movie before I read the book. I haven't tried it after reading the book, so I don't know. My number one, and I feel like it's. In my opinion, like the definitive cover where I think even the art, the original artist said like, yeah, that person, it's their song now. Like they, they stole our song. And that is Hurt by Johnny Cash. I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I knew it. I knew it. I thought you were talking about um, the dum 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 Under Stop. pressure. Under you thought I was, you thought I was going to bring vanilla ice into this? Yeah, that's what that's oh what I was going gosh. for. Oh gosh. Oh no. Who do you I I feel disrespected oh that you would think I'd put vanilla ice as the top cover. Crap, right and listen. Ice is back for a brand new edition. edition. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> no, you're good. So it was originally written by 9-inch nails and it's I don't even know how to describe. It's like a very atmospheric like emo song almost. Yeah, it is the emo song, I feel like. Like, I don't think emo people would claim it as their song, but it is the most emo song I've ever heard, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And then Johnny Cash, right before he dies, ends up covering it. And people think that it was a Johnny Cash song and Nine Inch Nails covered it when it's really the reverse. And it's a complete tonal shift. And like knowing Johnny Cash's story, I'm not a huge Johnny Cash fan. I like some of his hits, but I'm just not a big country fan in general. But like knowing his story, he's like as... He's like looking at the past and like all the stuff that he did. And it's like, especially because I know he converted to Christianity. So he sees a lot of this as like just kind of wasteful years and like how much he messed up. And like if he could start again, how different it will be. And he ended up dying pretty close after the his last album was released. And there was a music video for it. And it's just it's so touching. And maybe it's because like one of the few songs where my voice sounds OK, that I just love singing it. And it's, it's such an emotional <laughs> song. And I love it. Very easy to learn on guitar, too, for plucking just a minor c and d a minor that's all that's it was that not your number one lou i was afraid it might be yours no 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 it's not my number one uh i did know it was it's johnny cash is christian's favorite my wife's favorite uh artist so i'm well versed in in some johnny cash my favorite song is when he steals cars yeah one piece at a time that's that's my favorite song honey take me for a spin And I, but I will say it worked really well for the end of Rick and Morty season two when they played the Nine Inch Nails version. So I think Lucian, you're the only person, other person on here that's watched Rick and Morty. So I don't know. If, you know, I don't openly say that I watch Rick and Morty nowadays. Oh, is uh, it? I haven't yeah. seen much past like season four. So yeah, people people have put people that watched uh, that show in in a box. Ooh. Same thing with like Joe Rogan and stuff. And it's like ah. So Mike, what tops out the list for your favorite cover slash remake? My favorite remake is a video game remake. Mm. Andrew already probably knows what it is. Tecmo. Hello. It is Hello Kitty. Viva Both Pinata. great guesses. Metroid Zero Mission for the Game Boy Advance. It was a remake of the first ever Metroid, which is just it is so difficult to play now because it doesn't have a map. It doesn't have saves. It's brutally difficult in terms of like you have to when you die you go back to 30 health which is basically nothing in metroid and you have to grind back like like if you die you're screwed um it's also i mean both of them are short but once you know metroid one on nes it's blink of an eye short and they added just enough content to really flesh it out it plays fantastic it's the second metroid game they made on the game boy so they really had honed in the uh, the controls by then. And I also I love Metroid. I love I, I just I love Game Boy Advance art style. It's that perfect blend of pixel art, but like 
We have enough pixels to be pretty detailed. I love the music on the Game Boy Advance. Brinstar is forever going to be one of my all-time favorite songs, specifically the Metroid Zero Mission version with the, the trumpets in the background. Great boss fights, great exploration, classic upgrades all the way around. In my mind, it is the perfect remake. Is that the one with the blue suit? That the other game that is Fusion. That's okay. the first one they made on uh, Game Boy Advance. Also, a lot of fun. A thing that I really like about Metroid Zero Mission over Fusion is in Fusion you have to go to the the map rooms or there's there's a specific term for it I forget. But where they will t- they'll tell you this is where you want to go and they'll put a little dot on your map. You have that option in Zero Mission, so you can you know you can go. You can find a little statue. It'll put a dot on your map. Very often, it'll put it on a part of the map that you don't even have. So there's still exploration involved. But you can choose not to do that. You can just go and collect the upgrade and move on. And so you can choose to play without the the dots. There's a certain level of ability to do some sequence breaking. Uh, Nowhere near the level that you can do it on in like Super Metroid. But it's still nice that you can, you know, play the game in a different order once you've played it a few times and you've gotten good. And ultimately, uh, up until Metroid Dread came out recently, I think it was the best control scheme the series has ever had. I've never been a fan of any of the Metroidvania games until I played Hollow Knight. Mm. And uh, Hollow Knight is peak. Yeah, well, after I played Hollow Knight, I've been wondering, it's like, what do I do I hate those games or, you know, because I, I don't know. I played like the first Metroid and it was just like, this is too old. But I yeah, feel it's, like it's really hard to play. Yeah. So I'm, so, I'm trying like to go Super through Metroids it. where a lot of people will say it starts picking up. Yeah. So I'm trying to figure out what I like still because Hollow Knight is was pretty good. There's another like newer Metroidvania game that I really enjoy as well, but I can't think of the name of it right now. It's the roguelike. Ori? No, it's oh dead cells. Dead cells. Yes, you played dead cells. I have not, but I've heard some good things. I mean, yeah, I think it was pretty good. It's um, it's more roguelike than Metrovania, so you're pretty much like, oh, it's uh, like Hades. Did you play Hades? I I own Hades. I've played a little bit, not a ton, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's more it's more Hades than than Hollow Knight, but I think it's a good time. What were you gonna say, Rob? I was going to say, like, I've always wanted to get into, like, Metroidvania games, but I just never have. Like, Hollow Knight is where it's at. Hollow Knight, Hollow Knight is dangerous because it is definitely the best one, but I, I think all Metroidvanias are downhill from Hollow Knight. So don't play uh, Hollow Knight, because then I won't, you know. It, it's be tough, because it's like, if you don't like Hollow Knight, the genre's not for you, mm-hmm. you know? But it, it is a little bit like, for you, it'd be a little bit like starting with, um, Twilight Princess, you know, mm-hmm. and then switching to a different Zelda game. It's like they're still fun, they're still really good, but you're never gonna hit that same high. What's uh, what's your number one, Lou? All right, my number one, my number one is Hallelujah. It's a song, Hallelujah, by Jeff Buckley. I heard there was a secret chord that David played, and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care. Nice. Uh, I, I, I've i loved this song since a child. I absolutely love it. Uh, I really didn't know anything about Jeff Buckley for a super long time. And then I found his album. And I, that album is probably in my top five favorite albums, just based off of three songs. Yeah, it's he died back in 1994 when I was doing the research. This is Wikipedia. I just want to let you know. I don't know how hardcore research this is, but uh, he died by taking a swim in just a random river. The Mississippi River and then drowned. But people say that he was singing the chords of Leb Zeppelin, Whole Lot of Love, while he was swimming. And uh, I just, you know, I just hope that when I die, I have something cool like that. A whole lot of love. (laughs) Not necessarily Led Zeppelin. A whole lot of love. (laughs) (laughs) If you listen to the, the album version, there's some very provocative sounds coming out of his mouth. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so. Uh, maybe I'll be rapping some J. Cole when I die. But Ooh. for the song, I it's to my understanding, the song is about love that's gone sour. And uh, something about that, like stories or music like that, for some reason, just hits really home for me. And I love how he ties it into like uh, Bible verses. So, uh, you know, he saw uh, saw her bathing on the roof is about Bathsheba. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I tied you to the kitchen chair is about Delilah cutting off salmon's hair the bible just has so many references about like women and the the dangers of women and yeah how you can get (laughs) 
<laughs> men's rights, brother. You got to know your rights. We are the male men. We are a men's rights activist group, and we are fed up. <laughs> what? Parks and Rec. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I've gotten one. Uh, it's not even a hint. What do you call those things? Reference. Uh, references. I haven't gotten one reference from anybody. I, I strike. I am not good at it. But yeah, it's just a, it's just a really good song. I recommend who is, it. Who was the original one? I thought that oh, was the original sorry. guy. No, my bad. I completely forgot. Leonard Cullen made it back in 1984. Yeah, because that the one you're talking about, that's the one that's like on Shrek, right? I think so. I, honestly, it's been a while since I've I've listened to Shrek. And in Shrek? Watchmen, I believe. No, apparently this one was sang by Rufus Wayne Wright. Yeah. So I think that, a lot that, of, that's it. Yeah, so I think a lot of people have uh, done it. But Jeff, for sure, is my favorite. That's the one I know is the Jeff Buckley one. It's a good song. It is. Very high up, though, for the vocals. Mike, what are we talking about next week? Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's right. Um, I finally get to t- pick this topic. It's going to be top five times that you feared for your life. The fear does not have to be grounded in reality. I don't, I don't think none of my fears grounded by reality. Yeah. I'm out male. Yeah. So. Like, this does not have <laughs> Lou is killing it this uh, this week, man. Yeah, so like, I don't care if you were seven and scared of the monster under your bed or if somebody pulled a knife on you. If you were scared for your life, it counts. Does it have to be life or can it just be like s- s- scared of serious injury as well? I'll take, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll just, you know what? Yeah, we'll just go with top five times you've been terrified. But if you were scared for your life, it should take precedence. All right. Yeah, I got some funny ones and I got some scary ones. That's good. Right? It should be It should be a good blend. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Top Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, please leave us a like, comment, subscribe. It goes a long way. Feel free to tell us what topics we should do or if you have any iceberg questions you want us to, to ask, go ahead and comment and let us know. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a review and write a, write a comment and we'll read that on the podcast. Other than that, I hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time. Peace out. I love brownies.